You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Say hello to my little friend. To infinity and beyond. Like tears in rain. On Wednesdays we wear pink. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Tears looking at you, kid. You talking to me? You're gonna need a bigger boat. You'll always have Paris. Welcome back to another episode of Films and Friends. My name's Josh. I am joined as ever, which is what I say all the time, by Tobias. Yes, and I always say, hey, I'm, I'm back or something like that. And this week we are joined by Aisha. Hi. Sorry. That introduction is beautiful. Thank you. So um, how we like to start these is just for you to introduce yourself, uh, what do you do, and how do you know either myself or Tobias? Great. Hi, I'm Aisha. I do chemistry, and I was deputy film editor last year at the newspaper, although through that I discovered I don't know that much about films. That's how I know both Tobias and Josh. <laughs> yeah, because Josh used to write for us last year and then you know, became editor, and then, yeah, I mean, Aisha, now you, you moved on to be lifestyle editor. Yeah, much more my, my kind of articles, to be honest. Well... The the lifestyle section last year, I I barely looked at it. There wasn't really a lot of stuff I found that interesting. Whereas this year, I've been reading about all yeah. sorts of stuff, yes. either you know, <laughs> male issues, female issues, and everything in between. And I've honestly just learned a lot oh. from your section. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It is pretty much all of my time. I don't really do my degree anymore. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't we all? Like, that's just the point of it. Love student media. If anything, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to do my degree that much anymore. It makes my life significantly less depressing. <laughs> now you get to talk about films with friends. Yes, exactly. So you do have the credentials, the CV, to back up your film takes. If anyone tells yeah. you otherwise, you're like, hey, hey, I was deputy it, film editor true. for the biggest student newspaper in the country. Oh, I should say that. That should be my, you know, chat up line or something. <laughs> it worried. I mean, in emails, whenever we email, I mean, you, we used to do it. And like, yeah. I told Josh this. Josh does it as well. It's like, hi, I'm writing the Manco- Mancunian. Brackets, the largest student newspaper in the UK. Yeah. It's just that little flex. It is. It is a good flex. I really enjoy <laughs> including it in emails and also applications. You can include it anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, say it to anyone. Yeah. I'm not having yeah. engraved on my headstone when I die. <laughs> yes. That's that's that the plan. <laughs> I'm gonna bear that in mind. To kick off, we ask our guests, uh, in a very professional manner, <laughs> what uh, their favourite films, actors, genres and directors are. And embarrassingly, we sent you the form oh, like, yeah. way back and we I've didn't I've been waiting actually... for like four months to be in this room with you two. We, 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 had, to build, we had to build our way up. We had yeah, to make it's it worth true. it. <laughs> I'm the peak, the peak of the year. <laughs> so, so, at the you know, tip top of... Yeah. Celebrity Mountain. What are your favourite? <laughs> <laughs> right, this is when we realise I don't don't know that much. I can't. The only director I can name is Wes Anderson. I do like his films, but I'm, he's a pretty well known director at this point. My favourite film, right? One of my favourite films, which I know is on the application, is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I love that film so much. It was the first one I watched, which I really felt like represented a bit of my family life. So my dad is Iraqi and my mom's Hungarian, so we're a weird mishmash of cultures. Um, I don't have this like beautiful upbringing, you know, my dad is this maverick man who does talk about his past and like, oh, you know, when I was 17 years old, I left the country, which is exactly what the dad does yeah. in that film. And I loved it so much because of that. So that's my favourite film. It's a classic in my family. I own like two DVDs of it. So yeah. <laughs> two DVDs. Is I won it... at uni, one at home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not that my laptop has a DVD player anymore, but... Well, it's there if I want it. <laughs> I did the same when I I was in Poundland last year. Or, yeah, last year. And I was walking through the DVD section 
And it's great because it's like one pound DVDs. Yeah. Because what they do, I think they have an agreement with like Music Magpie. So they kind of, they just repackage used DVDs. Oh, sick. They, they literally just get the, the, the box and just cling film it. Yeah. But not cling film it. Badly. Literally cling film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's cellophane. Yeah, it's, it's actually a cellophane wrap with folds on the top and everything. <laughs> and I saw the Italian job for one pound and I went, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna get like, it. Of course, I'm going to get it for a pound. Nice. So I haven't actually watched it off the DVD. Yeah, yeah. I have watched it since. It's so. almost like having a book nowadays where it's just a placeholder on my shelf, so I remember it's there and I remember it's a good film. <laughs> yeah, I have an intense um, coffee table book addiction. And mm-hmm. I, I'll be walking through somewhere and I'm like, ah, yet another book about uh, communist architecture. I'll <laughs> buy it. Very niche. <laughs> it is very niche. I feel like collecting plastic probably isn't the best thing to be doing in the modern age, though, with DVD covers <laughs> and all that stuff. Hey, if it's used, if you use DVD, yeah. you're not generating any That's noise. a good shout, actually. Yeah. So that's all right. But of, of the people you have here, is your, your favourite? Oh, yeah. Your favourites overall? I wrote this in September, by the way, so I don't know don't, what's well, on I mean, it. <laughs> you're still a fan of Wes Anderson. True, true, yeah. I mean, big Wes fan. Anderson fan on the show. I mean, I go on about him. I find a way to touch, get him into the podcast every week. Oh. And I think we have, I think there are definitely at least three or four podcasts we've had people on. And the first thing we talk about is just Wes Anderson. It's because he's great. Like, so when I watch his films, I'm like, wow, what, a, what an arty film, you know, this is a good film. And then I know his name. He's made a lot of really popular films like Fantastic Mr. Fox and stuff, which are pretty accessible. They're mm. not these art films which are like hard to understand or anything they're just quite nice and now i feel kind of cool if i can name drop <laughs> name drop that name so i kind of get it what's your favorite was anderson film i like grand budapest hotel mm. that's a pretty good one but i don't know if i have a favorite is that bad i haven't no. watched them enough to be like yes i haven't repeat watched any of them to be fair the grand budapest hotel is my favorite film of all time oh yes i answered correctly <laughs> and then i think my other than that my favorite was anderson film is probably the darjeeling limited I've not watched that. It's very I good. I apologise. I re- I'd highly recommend that one. Yeah, I've been is it on Netflix? It that seems to always be my. If I, I can only watch a film if it's on Netflix it, nowadays. It is not on it's Netflix. Not, no. I'm not going to watch it then. You have to rent it or something. Yeah. <laughs> or any other sundry websites yes. on the internet. No, no, I don't do that. <laughs> and neither do I. Ever. <laughs> Are you excited about his new film? Does I am coming indeed. out? Yes, the French Dispatch. Yeah, that I've was good. Purposely avoided the trailer. Ooh. Because okay. I'm trying to be very nice. You know, it's very coming out progressive. in ages. Yeah, it's really annoying. It's in like summer or September or something. Yeah, it's like a massive. Uh, the biggest ones, the gap between the American and the UK release. Mm, and yeah. America really? being released in like the beginning of July. It's okay in, in the UK until the 28th of August or 27th wow, of August. Someone's counting down. <laughs> that's, that's rough. That it's like The Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. The Lighthouse released in the US. <laughs> yeah, it's just I, yeah, I've seen that film. <laughs> I mean, The Lighthouse in the US released in. I want to say October. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was pretty early on, and there were a lot of one-off screenings. So, in most major cities in the US, yeah. the art house cinema would be like, "Oh, we're showing the Lighthouse," and then they would do it like once a month until yeah. it actually released. In the UK, it was it released on the thirty-first of January. I think. Oh wow, that's really a delay. late. Jeez. So I I luckily watched it at home. Um, Home cinema. It, yeah, home cinema. Because <laughs> they did one of their, of yeah. course, one of their previews. But I was sitting and I watched it. I thought, this is brilliant, but why is it taking so long to yeah, come to the UK? True. And it just made no sense. Build up that whatsoever. suspense. Do we do it the other way around? Are UK films released later in the US by that much? I don't know if you know release dates off the top of your head. 
I don't think there is. I think it's mostly it mostly happens in um, towards the end of the year towards uh, uh, so because obviously to, for a film to be eligible for the Oscars, uh, it yes. has to be shown a certain amount of times in a certain amount of cinemas between certain hours in Los Angeles before uh, the 31st of December. Yeah. That's why they release loads of films on like yeah. Christmas Day and stuff in America. Because um, Vice last year came out on the, the Christmas Day in America, but came out in the UK on the 2nd of February. Oh, wow. It's like Uncle Gems was Christmas Day in the US, yeah. and the UK was... 14th of wow, January. you have so much knowledge about dates. <laughs> well, we we have this issue. When when we do our pre-meeting mm, meetings, yeah, as classic. we used to have... Remember those? <laughs> we, we now use... Instead of using IMDb, we go to DCM, is the one mm. I like. Yeah. But you like... Um, what's the site you like for release dates? Oh, I like using the, just the, the proper film distributors one. Yeah, the, like FDA, the FDA website. Yeah. And we cool. go through it, and it'll say, "Oh, releasing like the Lighthouse, for example, would would have appeared at I don't know sometime in November." Yeah. And you click through it, and it doesn't let you select cinema, so you then have to look on Google. And yeah. we, we've just kind of yeah started noticing this trend when we do it every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some films that you just can't seem to see. Like the, there's a new um, horror film, the second, the boy, the sequel to the boy. Yeah, and the boy I too. keep seeing the advert for it on, on E4. And you just can't... See, I couldn't find it on any cinemas yeah. in Manchester. Yeah, which is yeah. really bizarre. A little while. Maybe uh, look at Odeon more. I really, really look at View. That's the problem. What about Home? Home has everything. Not stuff like... Is that they only yeah, have it's like, true. The kind of like, they only have good films. Horror films are not my thing. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. I know, I know the two of we you will love get to that. horror and thriller, but no, no, no. <laughs> not no, for we'll, me. We'll, we'll get to that. But, well, Home... Yeah. Well, it's interesting what we do with the programming. I remember we... um um. No, I, I spoke to Jason from home, sorry. It was um when I wrote my freelance piece back in November. Mm. I sent an email to Jason with a questions, and one of the questions was about programming. Yeah. And about how does he make it unique. And he was saying that there is a very fine line that they have between mm. really unique art house films. Yeah. Like, my housemate Luca went to see a film last year. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was... Uh, it, it was... It's set in Africa by an African crew had made the film. Yeah. It was in the local language. It was like a super specific film. Yeah. And they showed it at home. Yeah. It, they also showed Joker. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Midsummer. Those are kind of like the biggest mm. films I've seen at home. Yeah. So there is a fine line, but those films are still artsy. Yeah. To yeah. An yeah. To an extent. <laughs> Joker, I'm less enthused about, but we won't uh, flog that dead horse anymore. Yeah. So, just to ask about Wes Anderson one one more time. You were saying about him being artsy. Yeah. And that's something I find quite interesting. So there's some directors, like mm. Lars von Trier, for example, a horror director that his films are just about being as cruel as possible. Yeah. That is just something that he does. And... That doesn't reach a big audience. But what is it about Wes Anderson, do you think, to you, that makes him so universally loved? I don't know. He has he always has quite endearing storylines, right? So oh, what's it? Moonrise Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. yeah, like that's quite a lovely story, I mm. think, to watch. Um it's about children and it's quite nostalgic in certain ways, which I think makes people want to see it. I don't know. I think also people quite like feeling artsy and like cultured in quotation marks. So you know, when I go see his film, it's not like I'm watching a rom-com or something, which I know is trash. 
which makes people enjoy it. But I don't know. He also has really nice colours, which is just something that I enjoy personally. Like, his aesthetics are so unique and so beautiful that I think it's hard not to enjoy the films. I don't know if that really answered your question, but... I, I think know. a lot of it is the uniqueness of them. Because yeah. there is no one who... And there's no... Like, it is a cliche at this point of, like... I saw something the other day, or earlier this year, and it was uh, something from the BBC, and they'd edited a football match into the style of Wes Anderson. <laughs> and, like, you could see, like... So they only filmed half the pitch. You saw people running off and back on again, and yeah. they had the whole... It was really nice. It was really nicely done. I really recommend trying to hunt it down on yeah. uh, YouTube or Twitter at some point. But stuff like that, like, it's such a distinct visual style yeah. that it is unlike anything anyone else is doing. Also, there's a really specific pace to all of them. Yeah. So they're not super vast storylines, but oh, this is going to sound so annoying, but they're also not really slow. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and they're really clean. That's mm. another word that I always think of when I think of Wes Anderson. Just really elegant and clean and fairly simple. They're very self-contained stories yeah. as well, I think. They don't ever leave anything. Yeah. They're not... You, you, you don't come out of them thinking, oh, I wonder about X, or I wonder mm. what happened before. It's like they're very much... The, they have a very clear beginning, middle, yeah. end, and it comes together quite nicely. And obviously there is obviously a space in cinema for very interesting structures, like Christopher mm. Nolan's one specifically. But I think, ultimately, it is nice to have that kind of... Because I think... In many ways, I think Wes Anderson is a it's very pure escapism. Yeah. yeah. Because you get I lost agree. in the world of like especially the Grand Budapest Hotel, you get lost in that sort of yeah. grand sort of um sort of a false um what uh, Eastern European nation. Yeah. And it is very much sort of contained within that world of Wes Anderson. Yeah, also the music is amazing in all of mm. them as well. Like, I think he's managed to find a really good team of people to work with. He repeatedly works with the same actors, so whilst they're a different story, they're all quite familiar. Mm. And I think it's quite impressive that I can watch Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is a completely different medium, and still be like, yeah, Wes Anderson, hands down, don't even need to tell me, because his style just, yeah, is so iconic. It's crazy how young he is as well. He's only like 30-something. I think. Is I think he's early forties. I think. Okay. Well, no, maybe I checked a couple of times. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Well, but still, it's impressive that he was so young when he made his first film, which is, or like the first film that I know of. <laughs> well, the first one was like Bottle Rocket, which was nineteen okay, nineteen no, no, ninety six. I think then um, Rushmore was nine nine nine. I think. Are they quite similar to the famous ones that we all know? Uh, Rushmore is the first one that's actually similar. Yeah. The, his first first one was uh, called Bottle Rocket. And that is nothing like a Wes Anderson film. Ooh. I didn't really like it very much. I think that's why I didn't like it very much, because it yeah. was just... It felt... It was good, but it just felt quite generic, I think. Maybe I should give that a watch. Give it, it is a also compare. not on Netflix. Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll, I'll find a way around that. I'll buy a DVD and a DVD player. <laughs> that's, that is commitment. That is commitment yeah. to Wes Anderson. I hope you Wes Anderson. <laughs> but it must be something in the surname, because that's how I feel about Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> when it comes to being so young yet so talented yeah because paul thomas anderson the the fact that blows my mind is how old he was when he made boogie nights mm -hmm. so boogie nights written directed edited produced by yeah. paul thomas anderson and it tells a super heavy story about um a male porn star mm -hmm. and there's uh tales of losing relationships with your family yeah. drugs ego all sorts of stuff. 
and he was 23. Wow. Oh my God. That's a new, that's, I'm going to be 23 this year in like ages, <laughs> but like still. It's crazy. This, and, oh no, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I was watching it and, and it's a brilliant film, but it just kind of, the more you think about Paul Thomas Anderson's age at the time, the yeah. crazier oh, man. it gets. Some people are such overachievers. <laughs> it's Give me a break. <laughs> so something else you have on your list of favorite films, actors, genres, and directors is yeah. uh, Aristocats, which yes. is the film that I... Love I can, it. I have very. I, I, I think it's definitely a film I have seen, yeah. but so long ago that I cannot remember anything that yeah. happened in it. It's one of those films that I have on DVD and I had like, you know, pre Netflix, pre streaming and stuff. So I I think I loved it just because I watched it so many times because it was the only option. Same with like School of Rock, Big Fat Liar. Those are the three films we had mm. on DVD. So I love them. It's just, it's just about a story about cats that get lost and then find their way back yeah, it's lovely it's also one of those old films which are actually really short i think it's under 60 minutes or it's around like an hour mark which is crazy i think because nowadays we have films that are like two hours but so much happens in that time yeah i guess it's the whole fact of when they used to make the obviously the disney films mm. were obviously sad animation drawn by hand yeah so i imagine people probably couldn't be bothered to go yeah. any further than but i wish doing it for an hour. they still made animation like that there are some you know digital digitally animated films that i don't think look as nice and i don't see why we can't have both technologies working in parallel together like we clearly have the technology to still draw those animations why don't we just have some films like that and some films with newer technology i really like them you guys would know better than i do because i haven't actually been but the manchester animation festival i didn't go either we just organized it wait did you not go in the end no, it was I meant oh. to. Oh no, I did go. You no, did, did go. I go? I'm pretty sure you I saw went. an animated film, but I don't know if it's part of the animation festival. I saw like what was it called? Tehran Taboo. But I don't know if that I'm was pretty part. sure that might have been part of it. Okay, maybe I did. I, yeah, I'm not convinced. But Manchester, you've been twice. Yeah, you've been twice. Preview this year, yeah. Preview, yeah. Josh's yeah. number one fan. Yes, yeah, so I, I actually really like it. There, yeah. it's quite interesting, and maybe. they have quite a wide range of things. I watched a really weird Hungarian oh, animation Hungarian. about. Art and psychotherapy. Collector. Yes. Oh, so that's on Netflix. Netflix. Maybe I'll watch it. Represent yeah. my mum's heritage yeah, and mine. It's definitely worth a watch, even though it was dubbed, not in the original language, oh. which was upsetting for me. I don't like dubbing. No, me neither. Which I know is, you know, but I'm English, so obviously I don't have many films that need to be dubbed or in a different language, but like, I don't know, I just don't think it sounds as nice. I'd rather have subtitles. Yeah, I had a weird thing actually where I was watching Grave of the Fireflies, the yeah, Studio ooh, Ghibli film. Nice, yeah. And we had it dubbed and also had subtitles on as well. Yeah. And it just showed you the difference in what they were saying. Yeah, I bet. And I mean, I'm not. I don't know that much about it, but I do know a tiny amount about Japanese culture because I kind of yeah. was, I did think about learning Japanese last year, so I kind of went into that kind of thing. And you do see that the dubbing is very much further away from what they're really saying. Mm. But I guess it's because they have to fit that into the time that person's yeah. talking. So that's cool. But I think looking at the subtitles is gives a better yeah. view of the culture, yeah. especially something like Japanese cinema, because of the way that the way they speak to each other is very different to everyone else because of their mm. sort of uh, things about respect and stuff. Mm, in yeah. the, in Japan, like when they have disagreements, the the way they disagree with people is really unusual to us because yeah. they have to do it in the most polite way possible and like kind of like not disagreeing but disagreeing yeah, yeah but yeah. you really lose that in a dubbed version whereas you don't lose it in the subtitles yeah 
That's very nerdy. I do apologize. No, no, it's not. It's interesting. <laughs> it's all relevant. When I was when I was in Baghdad, I, w- I have family in Baghdad, and I went to visit them a couple years ago. And he went to watch like Baby Boss, I think, in the mm. cinema, and that was in English but with Arabic and French subtitles, which. Like, as an English speaker, I really enjoyed because I just got the natural film in its language. But I don't know, I just I just don't like dubbing. <laughs> so to take it from uh, dubbing, which you don't like, to more things that you also don't like. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting better. So it's a lovely morning. I'm, yeah. I'm getting there. Uh, what kind of films uh, don't you like? Horror, sort of? thriller, hate them, absolutely hate them. And uh, sorry. Of course, the universally known... Uh, best-selling horror film Frozen is also on your least like. <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't hate Frozen. I just think there was so much hype around it, and I guess it's because kids get quite obsessed with things. But I've watched it once, and I'm really that's okay with me. Don't really need to watch it again. And I think I hate it more because of the hype. You can just let it go now. <sighs> Josh, well, hey. Josh, I came here for a nice conversation. <laughs> <laughs> did, um, you, did you see Frozen too? No. I didn't yeah, watch didn't it. Work. I don't care. I'm sorry. I haven't seen any of Is them. Is that bad? <laughs> I haven't seen either, actually, to be fair. They're, they're fine. They're, like, really just fine films. I think what annoyed me is that we got really overexcited about this first storyline that wasn't about a man and a woman, and it was about the sisterly relationship, but there are still... They can still do better. Like, Disney can do so much better in terms of representation. I think Moana's far better for representation. Didn't get the hype that it deserved if you compare it to Frozen. Like, Frozen, at the end of the day, there is still a love story. It's still two skinny white princesses. Um, I just think Disney needs to, you know, let that go and try (laughs) harder. Well, finally... (laughs) first LGBTQ character yeah. is a troll slash orc. Lovely. That is a police uh, woman. Yeah. Um, Great. That gets like two minutes of screen time we're not even. Disney's so trying. So fantastic but... Disney. Oh my god. It is time. I think I think media has so much power when it comes to representation and normalising things. Like no, you can't be friends with absolutely everyone. You know, you might live somewhere where there are certain minorities that aren't present but everyone watches films it's a really cheap and accessible way to just normalize things it Mm. doesn't need to be part of someone's character it just needs to be who they are like you know if someone's a queer character it doesn't need to be a character trope it can just be there's a queer character and they're gonna have a million other characteristics and i think that's what's really missing in mainstream cinema and tv shows currently is that responsibility to showcase like just other lives and other stories yeah and it's not shoving it in your face it's just it just yeah. becomes a part of the world of the story as yeah. it is a part of our world or like for example like i'm iraqi hungarian but i don't shove it down people's throats it's just part no, of who i exactly. am i like maybe you know i talk about my parents in slightly different ways because they have different stories and different upbringings i eat different food at home but i don't think you think of me as aisha the iraqi hungarian friend no. you have and i think film needs to start doing that more you know, to show different cultures and things. I think we're at a critical turning point in that, at the moment, whenever something does happen like that, like, oh, it's the first LGBTQ Mm. character, LGBTQ plus character in a Disney film, that becomes such a big news, it becomes a thing. Whereas, actually, we want to be in the place where it's not a thing, it's just, well, it's a thing, it's a thing that happens. Like, oh, well, this is just a character. And I think something like, like the film Moonlight, like, I presumably in the sort of the build up to the release of Moonlight, they didn't really sort of go in for the fact, oh, it's the first, it's a really powerful mm. um, a person of colour and a, a story about not just love, but gay love. Yeah. And I think sort of the film is brilliant 
regardless of that. Like, you don't have to go into it knowing, yeah. oh, this is about, yeah. it's just about this. It's just a really nice story. Yeah, yeah. that's and one of my favourite things about it. And I think the danger would be that it's so hyped up in that level that it becomes sort of, oh, I don't really want to watch that because that is just the mm. person of colour uh, gay love story film. Not yeah. just, oh, it's a really nice film that happens to have this in it. And I think we are at the point now where we need to, hopefully, this will be the point where we get over that and films mm. are just films. There's yeah. no massive media coverage about, oh, this is the first film ever of X. Yeah. It's just going to be, it's a film now. But I yeah. Think, sorry, I think we have so many firsts still to cover, so it's going to take a while before it is just normal, because that's they're just so behind societal norms and expectations, and I don't know why. Yeah, just to, just go back to Disney for a second. It's hard to expect Disney to really do. But this why? Stuff. But why? This is my issue with all these big companies. Like they have the money, they have the fan base. Oh, of course, these are the people who should be held accountable. Oh, why should they not? Of course, yeah, I, I agree that's... with you. But people are expecting that of a company that a couple weeks ago um, tried to sue yeah. a, a primary school in yeah. the United States that put on a screening of The Lion King for yeah. charity, and. Disney's lawyers were like, "You you haven't paid a licensing fee. Yeah. You need to pay up whatever amount." And then Bob Bob Iger stepped in and was like, "Oh, hang on, we'll you know we'll, you make we'll so help much you out." Money. But it's like, come on, man, that is it is a ridiculous. PR it's weird how there are so many like small production companies mm. that are arguably willing to put their necks on the line to yeah. release a film that they know might not get the same attention yeah. as. Uh, a different film, whereas the biggest companies in the world yeah. seem like, oh, no, I don't care. Like, yeah. they seem to be more bothered about lining their own pockets as one of the richest companies in the world yeah. than really small production companies who really are putting their entire existence on the line to tell certain stories. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's how I feel when I, on Twitter, I'm in touch with uh, the uh, main star writer and producer of um, <laughs> The Death of Dick Long. He, yeah. He's done all that. And when I tweeted my review of the film from Sundance London. He followed me on Twitter and, and earlier this year I tweeted out saying, hey, I want to put a screening of this film at some time. Yeah. Like, I want to maybe do this. Yeah. And he said, let's do it. Like He's totally down to help me out and, and if I get in touch with him, we'll, we'll probably be able to work something out. But that's the complete, like, it's what you're yeah. saying. That this guy wants to put on a screening in Manchester yeah. for a film that, you know, the, the grossing of how much that film cost to make and how much it made mm. This is negligible. It's just for the sake of the art. Yeah. And Disney doesn't have that. I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it comes down to shareholders and their yeah. interests over the sort of public interest and the moral interest yeah. of trying to tell more stories. And I think ultimately it would be... I don't know whether or not it comes from a place of... It, especially, to be honest, uh, I don't want to tar them all with the same brush. Obviously, that would be a bad thing to do. But it is partly America. Yeah. America is a lot more vocally... Yeah, against certain things. Like in this country, if there are if a film comes out where it is oh it's an LGTP L God, I can't remember. LGBTQ plus LGBTQ plus <laughs> film comes out, there will be obviously people in this country who will be like, Oh, I don't want to watch that because yeah. it's just a, a the sort of inverted commas gay film, so I'm not yeah. gonna see that. Whereas in America they are really actively mobilised against them. Yeah. And they would like start petitions to not show it and so it's corrupting the minds of our children, all that kind of jazz. <laughs> 
And I think that is probably one thing, the kind of publicity that they don't want. Mm-hmm. Like the fact they are an American company doesn't actually help that very much. And also, and obviously the thing that actually no one speaks about really is the absolute horror they do towards, um, in China. Like the way they cut films. Mm, it was, yeah. And so in planes. It's like Booksmart. They c- took out any kind of... They took no. out. They took out the... Uh, a, a lesbian kiss no. in Booksmart to do it on um, was it Delta? Must I it, love it must be Booksmart. Delta. I flew Delta no. to the US and I watched John Wick 2 on it and I thought that film sucked. Yeah. I was like John Wick 1 I enjoyed. I'm not you know I don't, I don't get the huge hype for John Wick but it's you know it's a fun action film and I enjoyed John Wick 1 and I didn't get John Wick 2 and then I realised that in Delta any moment that someone was killed on screen yeah. was just cut off I so wouldn't that's mind why that. Felt so, well, <laughs> yeah. I thought who hates horror. I'm yeah. just joking though. But, but basically, but yeah. it was weird. The point of this action weird. film is that the choreography is brilliant. The and it was just all cut. It was yeah. just all cut up, and the film felt so flat. Yeah. It, and yeah, it, the censorship on planes and and in certain countries is really quite shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading it now about um about Olivia Wilde, the director, talking about having watched Booksmart on a plane. And yeah, they've just taken out a lot of st- anything to do with like female sexuality. No, that's like the I love Booksmart for that. Yeah, they do take out literally all of the stuff oh that God. made the film such that's an important a, moment. Yeah, that was a great film. That should have been on my list of favourites. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. Actually, I watched it a couple months I ago. Did. The only thing I didn't enjoy about it was I thought that the second half of the film mm. was significantly, significantly better than the first half. Yes. I just thought that the stuff about like the party hopping thing yeah. was far too similar to things like Superbad. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not watched Superbad, so I but, didn't have that. But the end of the film, I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed it. See, I recently watched Superbad and actually quite enjoyed it, but I haven't seen Booksmart watched yet. Watched Booksmart. Do, do you think that the label of the female Superbad super is harmful? Yes, I think it is, because I think it will also... I think... I can't remember who I was talking to this about. I won't, I won't name drop them in case it wasn't them, but <laughs> I was talking to someone about this the other day and they were saying that they felt that having watched Superbad when they were like growing up gave them a really bad impression of those kind of films because of how... Because uh, they are really... Ostensibly, they are very misogynistic films. Yeah. If you if you line by line some of the stuff they say about women, mm. it's, horif- it's like horrendous things to say. And obviously, it's a film, so you can't go off on that because obviously they are they are portraying a situation that obviously does happen. So yeah. you can't really get really annoyed about that. But you can see why to especially to women like the, watching those films wouldn't make you ever want to watch another one like that. And staying on the super bad for women, it's like well, lots of women have a very negative impression of things like super bad. So it probably is damaging in that sense. And I feel like it is reductive because the second half of the film is absolutely nothing like anything that happens in Superbad. It's just the first bit where they happen to just jump between loads of different parties and keep getting <laughs> the wrong one is very similar to the film Superbad. Yeah. What did you think? I haven't watched Superbad and I watched Booksmart in summer so I can't remember. I just remember remember coming out being like, wow, that that was a good film. My friend described it to me as like the first time... I guess our social status in quotation marks at school got represented this Mm. kind of like I was happy with my group of friends I absolutely had a lovely time but we weren't popular but we weren't also the like bottom of the social hierarchy this is all you know school (laughs) socialising is a bit odd sometimes but I felt really represented in that I guess and it felt a bit more reminiscent of my teenage years which I enjoyed yeah, I think definitely. I think even if someone obviously I did grow up in the UK, not in America. Yeah. So, but Superbad is not the most is not relatable in the slightest. Yeah. No. Well, think about teenage or 
this is in case in this case a pre-teenage film that I didn't find relatable at all. Eighth grade. I've not heard I, or watched that. <laughs> no, I've not seen it. Yet. I watched it this weekend, and the whole hype around it was that it's written and directed by Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. And I find Bo Burnham's comedy fine. Like he's got yeah. some funny bits, but in general, he's a bit too American. And the film just felt so American in so many ways that I couldn't relate to anything at all. Ah, uh, yes. Just the the way that the school was structured and mm. the dynamics around them, and the fact that the kid and the dad, the kid got away from, got away with, sorry, using her phone at yeah. the dinner table, and her dad was just kind of fine with it. Yeah. Like, that doesn't really fly in the UK in most oh, households. My parents let me do that. Really? Yeah, no, I, oh, my parents. My parents yeah, I don't know, but I'm also not British, so, you know. <laughs> no, so. I never did. The, we never used to do the whole eating together thing. No. Ever, really? Not at all in my entire life. Oh, no. It's always been a thing in my household. Yeah, no. Yeah. But it was really weird because growing up for me and, and most of my friends, it was always you eat with your family and you don't have phones at the table. But this kid yeah. had a phone at the table and stuff. Yeah, no. But that... the, the things in the film which were completely... Mm. I mean, I think the school system, like, I get so confused when I watch American films. If they're in, like, high school or college, I don't really know what age that is. Yeah, this or was... also, like, they have so many facilities. Eighth grade, yeah, well, <laughs> was it but here's a weird thing in the film the, the bit which of course i couldn't relate to mm. at one point there's one scene where she's in her house or something i can't remember what it is it's like a completely mundane scene and the next frame is just a guy with a balaclava and a gun oh yeah and no, they're I just doing a school shooting simulation and they have to do oh. school shooting practice and i just think wow but glad you're not relate yeah. glad that's not relatable yeah i'd say that i think actually this is the hill i'm willing to die on it's a really <laughs> weird thing to say but i genuinely believe that the most accurate representation of going to school in the UK is, and a lot of people say skins, it's not school, it's nothing like skins. Absolutely, no. absolutely not skins. What it is, it's the in-betweeners. The in-betweeners. <laughs> because the in-betweeners, the in-betweeners catches just how pathetic your existence is when yeah. you're at those, like, yeah. to most you, like, year nine onwards, yeah. you're all just so, just, it's just, just, just... I wasn't a fully, fully formed human. No, you just, you I, are just a degenerate human yeah, being. Yeah, I couldn't function. And, like, I'm not saying that anyone I knew was as, as really horrendously I mean, bad as them. I yeah. But, I mean, lots of the stuff that happens, like, it just is... You can just you can relate to it. Yeah. Like, the whole thing about like oh just trying to find like the smallest amount of alcohol yeah. and then go to someone's house. It's like yeah. yeah, loads of people did that, and it's not like skins where they were all doing bloody dropping pingers and going yeah. to warehouse that raves was... when they're supposed to be fifteen, even they're twenty-two. Yeah, that wasn't my reality as a fifteen-year-old yeah. or as a twenty-two-year-old. No, <laughs> imagine imagine this: I was at school and it was you know a bunch of. Um, Posh Spanish kids all being like, yeah, like the UK's great. Like I want to. I've been to London with my family. Mm. And, like we were like eating sushi on like Oxford <laughs> Street, and I'm like, that's not. That's even. not London. So yeah. I have this teacher who, um, Mr. Chris, who's from Birmingham, <laughs> comes in, and and it was one of the final weeks of the year, and he goes, right. He so, did the accent. <laughs> he doesn't have a br- no. wrong accent though. He doesn't. How fortunate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I butcher. I'm terrible accents, and he um, and he says, lads. Whenever you travel to the UK, th- this is what boys your age are doing, and this is the experience for boys. And girls never fall in love with an English bloke because this is what they're like. And everyone was like, "Well, what's going on?" And he puts on the in betweeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and all these Spanish kids are just completely losing their minds. Yeah. They're like, "How is this on TV?" Yeah. What? 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 Are you serious? I'm like, "Yeah, yeah this, is, this is pretty, pretty accurate." Yep, yeah, that's. What's, that, I can't remember the name of the character, but yeah, he's just you know. About jerking off using ham and Mm-mm. yeah that's that's yes. type, type of stuff you hear about in English schools like it no, is. not I, weird 
Yeah. If I was doing that specific, that's the thing. Not I have a lot of questions. But the, but the crazy, but the craziness of yeah. it is like yeah, the dumb, the dumb. Sh- oh, friend. Sorry, well, I just think it's. I, I think I, I, I think I said it before, but I think that was the kind of the real thing that gets it for me. It is just how sort of sad it all is, and it's just your impression of yourself <laughs> yeah. is so much greater than you look back on it now, and it's just like yeah, that was just. I thought I was like, so old. Like the kind of like know? it's the one that gets me. It's like the bit with the daffodils, just the mindless vandalism of smashing up some <laughs> daffodils. Like that was the kind of stuff that people I know used to do, and you look back at it now, it's like, like just like like kicking over traffic cones and stuff and it's like at yeah. the time you think oh that's a really funny thing to do you look back and now it's like it's just the most pathetic <laughs> acts of just like it's not even civil Rebellion. disobedience yeah. just being a dick yeah, <laughs> yeah. so just to, the last thing we to touch on because I have to leave very very shortly is so I, we talk about horrors a lot about why people yeah. don't like horror films what is it about thrillers that you don't like Oh, it's just the same kettle of fish. I don't like being scared, basically. Okay. Do you know, the real world is terrifying enough as it is. I don't like... I'm very jumpy. Like, come into my house and even... Even my housemates will walk into my room and I will just jump out of my chair. I don't like jumping. I don't enjoy the experience of it. I guess it's the same thing with roller coasters. how some people love the adrenaline you get from it and other people are like, no, not for me. I think... I think, yeah, life is scary enough. I don't need it. But then also, you know, you don't ask people why they don't like rom-coms, I think. I mm. feel like a lot of people are like, oh, horror and thriller? Why? Especially when it's Halloween. Um, but then if someone doesn't like rom-coms, I'm like, sure, great. Whatever, I don't care. You don't have to watch it. What kind of thrillers have you seen that you didn't like? Just, I mean, just what kind of... Where, not, where are we going with thrillers I don't here? think... Okay, the, the three horror... The four horror films I've seen have been The Orphan when I was 17... Megan's Body or something like that? Yes. Yeah, Jennifer's Body, Jennifer's, Jennifer's Body, body which yes. some people don't classify as a horror film. I found terrifying. Kind of. I can still picture <laughs> it in my head. Um, I watched... This isn't a horror film, I don't think, but um, oh, just a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That, horrible. Absolutely horrible. I did not enjoy that. I mean, yeah, that final horrible. quarter is I pretty horror. I watched that. I watched a late night viewing at 10pm and had to cycle home yeah, at 2am in London. Scary. There was a man on my street, and the whole time I was like, "He's gonna blow my head off. He's gonna blow." <laughs> I don't need to live with that kind of paranoia. I have it already. Yeah. Being a woman, um, I think those are the only three horror films I've seen. So that's oh, what nice. you're working with. There's not a lot, I but there's just, a reason for that. I, I wasn't sure whether you're going down the thriller route of stuff like uh, *The Fugitive* or I don't like want to watch *Die it. Hard* or stuff like that. I just don't want to watch it. Just so people getting oh, shot. I watched. I watched a black and white one with the shower scene. Psycho. Psycho. Yes, I've seen that one. But that again, when I was like 16, 17 mm, and not yeah. since then. So yeah, I don't know. I've... But then it's weird because I do watch, I guess, either scary documentaries or s- films that are based on reality that are scary for whatever based reason. On a true story. Yeah, or just, you know, people's experiences. So, you know, be it a refugee story or something mm. like that, which is, you know, terrifying. They're often. And yes, they are based on real life, but that I don't mind watching. I think that's really important and interesting to understand so we can empathise and understand their experiences. But horror films, I just, no. I guess you did kind of touch on there a bit. Like, it is, the sort, if you watch a refugee film, you can get something from it. Watching yeah. The Orphan, you're not no. really gaining anything having seen it than not seen it, to be honest. <sighs> yeah, I st- I'm still scared of it. Like, I still think about some of those scenes and it's been, what, like, five years? Oh, God, yeah, that is quite bad. <laughs> Maybe I need to go speak to someone. Yeah. <laughs> or I need to watch it again and just, Well, there was, there's, I mean, it's just not really that related to that, but weirdly, you said you speak to someone. When they showed the um, Michael Jackson documentary, hmm. Leaving Neverland, at, uh, I think it was, was it Sundance? 
It might be it was Sundance or South by Southwest or something like that. Yeah. They had like therapists on standby like oh, during the film. That's so really if you good. felt like obviously the probably the themes touched on it. If you yeah. felt like it was too much, you could literally leave the room and speak to someone immediately about it. That's oh, really that's good. That's really though. good. I will not watch that then. So it's, it's a two-parter, so essentially it's the length of a film. Mm. No, it's not. It's long. That is a bit two, longer? It's four hours long. Is it four it's like hours? Two, really. It's two, two. It, it was broadcast oh. on Channel 4 as two yeah, two-hour documentaries. Sorry. When it was broadcast yes. in the premiere, like Ooh. either whichever festival it was, that was literally Ooh, four. four straight hours. Wow. Oh, of it. sorry, That's yeah. I, I, because I broke it up into chunks. I yeah, so did yeah. I. Yeah, it's just not, you know, not, not to get descriptive or anything, but in the first the half of it mm. there is a lot of very vivid descriptions of uh, child abuse sexual yeah. abuse yeah. on children yeah. and i can understand why that was so upsetting like it, it's a very impactful documentary yeah i still don't understand people who watched it and came off it thinking like oh i mean obviously i'm not going to speculate anything here or he's a paid actor yeah yeah people say like, oh yeah yeah they're definitely the only thing I would say is like there's definitely there's if it's definitely one of those things that if they were going to go to all this trouble to mm. lie about it. Yeah, they it's so would, specific. The stuff they would gain from it now yeah. is pretty much, you think, there's probably not much point about lying about it. No. Yeah. And you can definitely... And also, I think the only thing you can say with any certainty is the relationship that Michael Jackson had with them was unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. And wh- what whether wh- what lines it crossed result of that, obviously we will never know, but you can't come away from that documentary thinking, oh, he's definitely innocent and demented yeah. anything because it's, it is just it's this, like, a dodgy bloke. Perpetuating of like victim blaming and stuff. Why are we always on not on their side? I don't understand. Like, yeah, victims don't want to lie and i'm sure if there is a case of it it doesn't happen often enough for you to be able to generalize and be like oh god obviously they're all lying yeah there are so many people that have come out there's like i don't know it just frustrates me it really is but let's stop listening to the on a positive man. note of, of <laughs> justice being served yeah um harvey weinstein being yeah uh, he He's not been sentenced yet, but he's been convicted, no. right? Yes, yeah. and I think he is currently await- in prison awaiting sentencing. Yes. Yeah. So, silver lining. Yeah. That's a step Very in the right small direction. silver lining, because there's still so much out there that needs to yes. get sorted. But at least, at least it's, 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 it's a, a step, step in the right direction. In the right direction. So. And on that slightly positive note, I think um, <laughs> we shall um, leave it there, because uh, I, I, I feel bad of how short this episode oh, is. Feel, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I feel, you know, I waited, what, six months for this, and then... Tobias was late. I'm sorry for baiting you out. I'm sorry. And now it's only a, what, 40 minute episode? I know. Right. That should be a part two. That's well, all I'm saying. Yes. No, we've had people say we want to return. So what we'll do I'll is return. we need to come up with some questions that will be the part two questions for any returning guests. Yes. Yeah. And we will build out the sequels. Yes. Do. I mean, do it within the next couple of weeks because, I mean, you need, it's nearly the end of this semester. Yeah. Yeah. I, but. Who knows how long we'll be able to run this through yeah. summer. Yeah, don't wait six short, months again. We might try to do some short... If we do returns, we could do shorter episodes. Have we done a yeah. shorter episode? I want a full-length <laughs> episode. You'll stop cutting me out. Oh, all the work I did last year for the film section. <laughs> Not paying off. What I will let you do, though, before you leave, if you yeah. do want to plug something, you're very welcome to do so. Oh, I mean, the only thing I can plug is read the lifestyle section on the Mancunian. <laughs> this week, I'm publishing an article all about the Oscars rejected an advert about postpartum products for oh, being yes. too graphic and deemed inappropriate which I strongly disagree with again horror film adverts terrify me more than a woman who was has just given birth um, yeah read it I think it's really educational I love writing it check and when it out you are able to listen to this it will be the day after it has come out so uh, if you oh, come to campus yes. you will be able to find someone who will hand you a copy great and if not mancunian.com 
Yeah. Slash lifestyle. Probably. I'm not going to lie. Just go to, yeah, find it. You know how to use the website. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Sandy and on Instagram and Letterboxd at Josh W. Sandy. You can find me on all social media at uh, Tobias Soar. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. See you all soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>